0: As you may know, we are in the midst of our Ask Me Another series. The first part of this series, uh, we looked at questions that the early church had, kind of their burning questions that were on their minds, um, and the responses that uh, different early church fathers gave to those. Um, And so now we've transitioned into more of a modern-day look. What are questions that we have today about life and faith um, and about our walk with the Lord. So the topic that we're covering tonight is a big one. It's one that I have had many questions about, uh, especially since I came to college. So I'm really excited uh, to get to talk about it and share with you tonight. we're going to be discussing the questions, who is the Holy Spirit and what is his role in our lives today? Um, It's ambitious, to say the least, to try and cover an entire member of the Trinity in one sermon. Um, I'm going to do my best. This is going to be more of an overview. There is certainly more to know. There is certainly more to learn, uh, about him. Um, so uh, we're just, we're going to try and, as my dad would say, we're going to plow wide and not deep tonight. Um, kind of try and cover a lot. Um, but recommended reading section of tonight, um, I would encourage you all to pick up this book. It's called Forgotten God. Uh, it's by Francis Chan. You may have heard of, he wrote Crazy Love. Um, so, same author. And just a really, really great book uh, about the Holy Spirit, who he is. Um, he really breaks it down well. And uh, I'm going to be talking a little bit from this book tonight, but I would highly recommend, uh, if you have time, maybe this summer, pick it up. The words are big, the spaces are large, so it's a quick, it's a quick read. Um, but anyway, so tonight, what are our goals? Uh, first of all, we're going to try and uh, come to a better understanding of the Holy Spirit and who he is. Uh, we're going to try and demystify the Holy Spirit a little bit and uh, the spiritual gifts that he gives us. And then my big goal for us tonight is that we would leave here desiring a relationship with him, desiring to know him more and to know him more personally, uh, the same way we have and we desire greater relationship with God the Father and with Jesus Christ. I want us to be able to to say we truly welcome the Spirit in our lives and what he's going to do. So... uh, Before we go into uh, kind of the theology side and answering uh, these questions about who the Holy Spirit is, I want to address maybe what some may be the preconceived ideas of some of us in this room regarding the Holy Spirit. Because I think we often come in thinking of the Spirit um, either simply as a dove who floated down when Jesus was baptized, and that's about it, or sometimes we we come in... um, thinking that he's very mysterious and uh, coming maybe with even some fear regarding things we've seen or we've heard about the Holy Spirit. We may even associate the Spirit with confusion or chaotic environments, basically a lack of control, especially if we've been somewhere where people are operating in the gifts of the Spirit, which we're going to talk about later, uh, but they haven't been really explained to us. And so... um, I think it's, it's important for us to remember, first and foremost, that the Holy Spirit is a member of the Trinity. He is God. And we see in the Bible that God does not operate in chaos and confusion and fear, but instead in peace. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. And 1 Corinthians 14.33 says, For God is not a God of disorder or of confusion, but of peace. And I think it's important that we allow those verses to set the framework for what we're talking about tonight, to kind of uh, set the tone for how we're thinking about the Spirit. Because somewhere... Along the way, many of us have allowed confusion or fear or chaos to surround our conception of who the Holy Spirit is. I certainly did before I came to college. Uh, But scripture is clear that that is not part of his character. So I hope we can can kind of rest in that and start there as we uh, we look at, at who the Holy Spirit is. So part one tonight, who is the Holy Spirit? Before uh, Jesus ascended into heaven, before he even dies, we see him talking to his disciples uh, about how to follow him after he's gone. He's trying to prepare them uh, for how to lead the church after he's died and he's ascended and gone back to the Father. And so we're going to read together first uh, in John chapter 14 verses 15 through 18, and then 26 and 27. uh, It'll be up on the screen if you don't have a, a Bible with you tonight. All right, Jesus says, If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So in this passage... Jesus tells his disciples, I'm leaving, but I'm giving you an advocate. I'm leaving you with help. Um, then this, this advocate, his name is the Holy Spirit, uh, and he explains to them what the Spirit's purpose will be. So, who is this? Who is the Holy Spirit? First, he's a person, not an it, not uh, an object. He's a person, a member of the Trinity. He's not just powers or skills or supernatural abilities, but a person that we can have a relationship with. In verse 17 of this passage, um, it says that we can know the spirit because he lives with us and in us. You can know the spirit because he has personhood. He is knowable. And just as we have a relationship with the Father and with Jesus, we can also have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And we also see in Scripture that the Spirit has relationship with the Father and the Son. And throughout, the scripture, throughout Scriptures, we see the three of them interacting. We see that they have love for one another. We see um, that they they interact amongst the three of them. And so for us to ignore the Holy Spirit isn't just to ignore something that the Lord has for us. It's to ignore a member of the Trinity and something of his very nature. And uh, if we do, we're missing out on something incredibly essential to our faith. So that brings me to the, the second aspect of defining who the Spirit is. He is God. The Spirit is powerful and worthy of our worship because he is part of the Godhead. When Jesus says in John 14 that he's sending an advocate, or in uh, other translations, a counselor, it's important to note that he's not sending a lower form of being. Uh, the Greek word used here uh, is parakletos, which I probably completely mispronounced that. But uh, literally translated, it means a strong person called uh, called into help in time of trouble. Um, so When Jesus says he's sending an advocate for us, he's sending someone with the same authority and strength as he has. Um, He's not sending us kind of, you know, Jesus part two. He's sending someone equally, uh, equally worthy of, of our worship. The Holy Spirit is not just a warm feeling we get when we're in a moment of great worship or a mark on our hearts to prove that we're saved He's powerful, and he's mighty. There's mystery to him, and as his name implies, he works uh, for us on a spiritual level. In Romans 8, Paul says that the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses uh, and intercedes for us when we don't even have the words to pray to the Lord. Let's just take a moment here to think about what a profound gift it is that God dwells inside of us. The living God. There's a moment in the Old Testament when Moses is kind of wishing out loud and uh, wishing that everyone could have the same kind of personal relationship with the Lord that he has, have the same access to God that he has. And the Holy Spirit is an answer to that prayer when he's poured out for all people on Pentecost. We get... The Holy Spirit living inside of us, we get access to Him, just as uh, as Moses did, and that's such a beautiful gift. Like that's what He wanted for all of the Israelites, and we get that. That's such a profound and incredible gift, and I think we sometimes take that for granted. I know I do. Uh, I was really convicted about that this week as I was as I was thinking and praying about this sermon. So the third aspect of the Holy Spirit, thinking about who he is, uh, he's the empowerment to witness. The early church grew because of the work that the Holy Spirit was doing uh, through the apostles. So if you read through the book of Acts, you can see uh, just incredible miracles uh, that are happening um, and the incredible impact that the Holy Spirit had. People who literally days before had been timid and afraid and hiding away were boldly proclaiming the word of God once they were filled with the spirit. They, uh, they took the gospel public once the Holy Spirit was given to them. And that same power uh, and, and courage is available to us today. Also in Acts, the apostles began to perform many signs and wonders, things that we would consider to be on the supernatural side of the Holy Spirit. He works through people in mighty and miraculous ways, causing healing and prophetic insight and the ability to speak in different languages. And that same spirit is available to us today. One thing we need to remember with this, though, as Francis Chan says, He says, the spirit is not a passive power that we can wield as we choose. The spirit is God, a being who requires that we submit ourselves to be led by him. And the spirit works in miraculous ways when we receive a word of knowledge or a prophetic insight or um, when someone is healed, when we pray for them. It's not us. It's God working through us. We are not healing. We are not doing these things. God is using us, and that's an incredible blessing. Um, But it is God who's doing the work. So, the Holy Spirit, He's a person, He's God, and He's the empowerment for us to witness. There's a lot more that we can say about who the Holy Spirit is, what He does, how He works in our lives. Um, but I think that that's, that's a strong foundation for us to start with, um, to, to begin to understand him a little better um, and hopefully desire him more. And um, another, another note uh, from Forgotten God that I, that I do want to read, um, another passage from the book. Francis Chan says, Know that even as you seek to understand the Spirit more, he is so much more and bigger than you will ever be able to grasp. This is not an excuse to stop seeking to know him, but don't limit him to what you can understand about him. The point is not to completely understand God, but to worship him. But the very fact that you cannot know him fully lead you to praise him for his infiniteness and his grandeur. Here at Georgetown, I know for myself at least, I I like things that I can wrap my my mind around. I like to be able to give a good, solid, full explanation for things. We can't do that with God. We can't do that with the Holy Spirit. That doesn't disqualify him uh, from any presence in our lives. Instead, that should bring us... To want to seek more, right, and to want to understand as understand more, but still, at the end of the day, worship Him and praise Him because He's bigger than anything that we could comprehend, right? Okay, so that's that's who is the Holy Spirit. Next, uh, let's move on to what is His role in our lives today. If we can generalize a little bit. I think the majority of the Christian church tends to fall on one of two extremes when it comes to talking about the Holy Spirit. Either we don't talk about him at all, uh, or we emphasize him above everything else in our faith. And of course, there are some that operate in the middle. uh, But on the whole, I think we often come in on one side or the other of those extremes, and you know, sometimes it's a church's actual theological stance, and sometimes it's just kind of de facto based on um, the lane that we kind of float into day to day. So, me, for example, uh, I grew up in a church that uh, did not believe that the Holy Spirit works at all uh, today. I w- he was uh, very much the forgotten God in my theology, and I was very uncomfortable. Uh, anytime people were talking about miraculous healing or prophecy, and was super freaked out by stuff like speaking in tongues, um, it made me—it just made me so uncomfortable to be around. But look at me now, <laughs> so exciting. Uh, God is good, and so maybe, maybe that's where you are. Maybe you're feeling a little skeptical. This conversation's making you slightly uncomfortable. Um, I wanna say, first of all, I get it, I understand. Uh, Maybe you've even been, uh, feel like you have a a good reason to be a skeptic. Maybe you've been in a situation where you've seen people misuse the power of the spirit or seek to use the spirit's power to gain personal uh, attention or personal power. Um, And so, yeah, I get it. This is a tough topic. But at the same time, I want to challenge you right here. Because it would be such a shame and such a disservice to ourselves and to our God if we discount the miraculous just because it makes us uncomfortable. So, I want to encourage you, the rest of this, have an open mind um, and and kind of see where the Lord takes us tonight. So next... um, I want us to read 1 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 11. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another, faith by the same Spirit, to another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Here in Chi Alpha, we believe that the Holy Spirit provides us with supernatural gifts. These gifts are active in the early church and that informs how we see them active in our world today. The reason, uh, or sorry, these gifts are available to every believer. We see this in Acts. uh, And God desires that we operate within them. The reason that he desires that is because uh, it's for both personal and for corporate worship reasons. So uh, on the personal side, he wants us to have intimacy with him. He wants to connect with us deeply. And the truth is God operates on a deep spiritual level that we don't always fully understand. So an example of this would be uh, the gift of speaking in tongues. People use this as a personal prayer language to to pray to God when they don't even have the words to be able to express to him. But it's like they're praying on a deeper spiritual level. We also see the gifts used for the edification of the greater body of Christ, the church. They're used as an encouragement to others through prophecy, um, to reveal Jesus through signs and and wonders and miraculous healing, um, and for teaching and for spreading the gospel. And so in demystifying the Holy Spirit, I don't want us to miss out on the supernatural aspects of him. He's not limited to our human capability or understanding. And he can do more than we can even imagine because he's God. And he wants to do these things through us, his witnesses. Because that same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is alive in us today. The Holy Spirit isn't given to us for our own power or purposes, but to lead us and our communities toward holiness. And this gift, it wasn't available to just a select few of people, but for all believers, anyone baptized in water and then baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the only requirement was a desire for more and a faith that God would follow through on that. So, We see what these gifts can look like uh, in 1 Corinthians 12 and in other places throughout the New Testament. Um, But there's an important second part to this, and we see it when we continue to read a little bit further in 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, So uh, reading in verses 1 through 3. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So we can operate in all of these good gifts, but if the root isn't love, it's worthless. Pastor Mark Batterson from NCC puts it this way, miracles minus love equals noise. And that's kind of a bold claim that things like healing and prophecy, all these good things can be happening, but if they're done without love, then they're worthless. And it might seem crazy, but uh, let's think about it this way. If someone in your family gives you Really good gifts, uh, but does not love you. Those gifts mean less, right? Gifts given without love don't mean as much. Jesus' power, his healing, his miracles were done as an outpouring of the love that he had for the world. And if our, you know, worship team stood up here and just decided to perform. Show us all how good they are at singing, how good they are at playing instruments, we would all be able to tell like that would be pretty obvious that they weren 't worshiping but they 're not they 're up here and they 're genuinely worshiping the Lord, and because of that they lead us into a place of worship as well it 's the same idea uh, with the gifts of the spirit if we 're operating in love, we can tell and we can lead people to the Lord through that and I want you to hear me on this having Specific gifts of the Holy Spirit is not a sign of being a good or better Christian. It's not a sign of being a loving Christian. I want us to desire the giver and not just the gifts themselves. Desiring the Holy Spirit is about loving God, loving others, and wanting others to experience the love of Jesus as well so this is another place where kind of those extremes can come in Uh, there's some who might just focus on the gifts of the spirit and some who might just focus on love but throughout scripture we see that we need both hand in hand the two operate uh, in conjunction with each other it's god designed that we wouldn't have one without the other but instead both uh, are two are two exist together in operation um, and so I think uh, we'll take questions now um, and then I'm going to close with a couple of stories about my own experiences with uh, the gifts of the Spirit so Beatrice uh, yeah so these first two questions are a little bit related but gonna ask uh, so the first one says how do we uh, appropriately recognize the Holy Spirit working in our lives how do we appropriately recognize the Holy Spirit working in our lives question Um, I think the the first way I would say is is to uh, cultivate a healthy prayer life um, and to engage with scripture as well because we have to be able to recognize the voice of the Lord we have to be able to recognize like when you know, we hear or or feel something um, that that actually is the Lord, right? And we'll know that if we know kind of the truths that He stands on. If we know um, if 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 we if we know His voice from things like the Bible uh, and through our prayer, um, because every you know word that we receive, if we receive words of knowledge, that kind of a thing, we want to be able to test that. Um, because, you know, sometimes we hear, or sometimes we think we're hearing the Holy Spirit and we're not. So we need to be able to test those. Um, so another way that we recognize whether it really is the Holy Spirit is by asking someone. Um, so if you feel like the Spirit has said something to you, come talk to me. Come talk to a life group leader, Blaine, uh, someone who is maybe a little more mature in you in faith that you trust Uh, And kind of lay it out for them. Um, They can also help you realize or or, or kind of grapple with, is this something I should share publicly? Or is this something I should keep for myself? Is this something I should share with one person individually? Um, And that's, you know, the ability to recognize that kind of comes a little bit with practice. Um, And so, yeah, uh, engage with the Lord on a regular basis so that we can recognize his voice and then. Um, When you do hear his voice, bring it to someone you trust um, and, and test it against the word to make sure that it's consistent with things that the Lord has said before. answer that question pretty much the same way um, it's definitely tempting to want to hear a specific thing from the spirit I've been in those moments before right like when I'm discerning a big decision or something like that and I want the spirit to tell me something specific um, and so you know that's that's when I would be extra sure that if you think you hear something from the Lord, be extra sure to bring that to somebody that you trust, um, and uh, and get their their thoughts and their perspective on it. And our last question says, uh, how can I describe the gifts of the Holy Spirit well to a believer who, perhaps you know, like you, grew up in a church? That- How can I explain the gifts of the spirit well to some uh, a believer who grew up in a church that didn't acknowledge them great question um, I would read through the book of acts with them uh, and have a discussion about it because based on my personal experience I um, Probably they've been taught very different things about the Book of Acts than you have, and different ways to read and interpret that. Um, and for me, at least, uh, when I was figuring all of this out for myself, um, right, like that's what was hard—hard hard to argue with—was that other people had like built an entire theology on the fact that the Holy Spirit stopped moving. Um, And so if you're able to kind of walk through that journey with them, walk through what the Holy Spirit clearly did in the New Testament, um, talk about, like, why do you believe what you believe, uh, and come with, like, an understanding of why you yourself believe the things that you do, Um, and have a conversation with them about it. And then also like share your own experiences. Like that's what I'm going to do next, um, is just share about what I've seen the Lord do. Um, and I, to me, that's, that was really powerful when I saw people, because I had this growing up conception of (laughs) Pentecostals, that they were a little crazy and, um, not people I necessarily wanted to, like, be around. But, obviously, now I like them. (laughs) I trust them. Uh, So if if you're in a place of, like, a good relationship with somebody, you know, tell them about what the Holy Spirit's done in your life. Chances are, if they trust you enough to, like, have that conversation with you, They're gonna hear you out and they probably won't think you're crazy. Um, So yeah, yeah, that's my response, all right. Okay, so two stories, um, both dealing with um, the gift of healing. So first story is from earlier this year. On uh, New Year's Day this year, I got a phone call that my grandfather was in emergency surgery uh, to have a tumor removed from his colon. Uh, This was, uh, it really rocked me when I heard this. My grandpa is really healthy. The man rides his bike like 11 miles a day. Um, He takes incredibly good care of himself. And so this came completely out of the blue for me and my family. Immediately we all began to pray for him. And um, then I ended up going out to Montana uh, to help out uh, with his recovery and recuperation. And um, we took him back to the surgeon to have a check-in. And what the surgeon said that day completely shocked me. Um, he looked at my grandpa and all of us, and he told him um, when he had opened him up for the surgery and saw... The extent of the damage that had been done um, his colon had burst uh, and was leaking into the rest of his organs he did not expect my grandpa to make it off the table um, and if he did he assumed that he would die in the hospital uh, and if he made it from there uh, that he would be living the rest of his life in a nursing home Um, And the reason (laughs) that information was so surprising to me was because nine days after his surgery, my grandpa was back home with my grandmother watching golf (laughs) and asking when he could go back to the gym. (laughs) Um, They said that he healed uh, as fast as they would expect a healthy (laughs) 40-year-old. My grandpa's 86. (laughs) Um, And yeah, he has a good diet. He takes care of himself physically. But there's no doubt in my mind that the Lord works a miracle. And every second that I get with my grandpa from here on out is a gift. And I'm not going to discount what the Lord has done or take that for granted. Because it was such a gift. So that's how I've seen the Holy Spirit work. (laughs) But what happens when we pray and He doesn't answer us? Um, For the past nine years, I have dealt with a uh, a nerve disorder that causes chronic pain in my legs, Uh, and it kind of comes and goes in severity, and has at different points in my life really affected my quality of life, Uh, from things like not being able to really get out of bed in the morning to just like being in constant pain. Um, When I came to college and started getting on board with this whole Holy Spirit thing, um, I started getting interested in what he could do for me. Um, It took a lot for me to get to a point where I was willing to ask someone to pray that I would be healed, but I did. I started asking for prayer. I started going up during altar calls. uh, And every time I did I, like, had a little battle with God in my mind beforehand. And I, I worked it up. And I got to a point where I really genuinely believed that this time was going to be the time that I was going to be healed. And I would go up there and nothing would happen. Uh, and I would be even more crushed than I was before I had worked up the faith to do it in the first place. And so, uh, then I began to doubt and question God and wonder okay well if you do this if you say you do this why are you doing it for me why isn't this happening why am I not seeing healing in my life um and over the years I've come to realize that God might be giving me not necessarily a no but a not yet and I don't know why but that's okay I don't have to know why um I continue to pray I continue to go up for prayer when you know we have altar calls at different events and I trust that someday here or in heaven I'm going to be whole again um but but it is like it's a journey of trust to get to that point and um you know, if, you're, if you find yourself kind of in this position, I want to encourage you uh, to read 2 Corinthians chapter 12 because you'll find yourself in pretty good company. In that chapter, Paul describes a thorn in his flesh. Uh, some scholars believe he was going blind and he prayed to God three times to take away this thorn. And God's response is, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And so, I just want to ask you, do you believe that God's grace is sufficient for you and that his power can be made perfect in your own weaknesses? Or are we so focused on what he can do for us that we're missing out on who he is? So, tonight... As we look toward response, I really do think that that our response tonight is important and that we consider what the Holy Spirit means for us today. It's about more than just understanding theology or gaining more knowledge, but about understanding who God is. And so there are a few things I, I want you to think about tonight as we worship. First of all, when you think of the Holy Spirit... What's the picture that comes to your mind? A.W. Tozer says uh, that the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. So what comes to your mind when you think of the Holy Spirit? Is it a dove? Is it confusion and fear? Is it mystery? Is it a counselor? What is it? Second, is the root of your desire for the Holy Spirit and for his gifts, love? Are you desiring intimacy with God and the ability to love him better and love others better? And then third, I want to challenge you to ask for the gifts that God has for you. Because everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, into the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And so whether that's asking uh, me or Blaine or a life group leader to pray over you tonight, maybe you have a need, maybe you have a, a physical or relational need that you want healed. Maybe uh, you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But ask for that tonight. Let's have the courage and the boldness to step out in faith. And into what God has for us. And into knowing him a little bit better. So let's pray as we go into worship here. God, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are a God who desires to know us intimately. And desires that we know you the same. God, I thank you that... You don't ask that we live this life on our own, but you offer us yourself in all of your power and in all of your goodness. Lord, tonight I pray that you would reveal to us some of the untruths about the way we viewed you, Spirit. God, I pray that you would begin to break or begin to break our hearts for you. God, and to heal Areas where we've uh, we've been hurt or damaged or been confused or mistaught about who you are. And I pray that you would grant us courage to step out in faith tonight, to step out in the, the trust and the belief that what you have for us is so much greater than anything we could understand, than anything we could imagine. Holy Spirit, come into this room, God.